0: Hello and welcome to Between the Tees, the knowledge sharing program with Texas Bank & Trust. I'm your host, Aaron May. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard this phrase or anything similar to it? Or maybe you've even said it yourself. It goes like this. After paying my bills, I don't have enough money to buy food. It's a sad statement I've heard many times. I've even said it myself. And uh, if you've ever felt that way, just think about this, that you're not alone. According to a report from NPR.org, it indicates that more than half of Americans feel this way, especially during tight times that follow a job loss or financial crisis or just due to the high cost of living that results from inflation in our economy. More specific statistics is that more than 30%, one in three Americans, live paycheck to paycheck. While low-income earners are most affected, the report also indicates that families making up to $200,000 a year have difficulty covering everything. Costs of livings play a big role in this. Ever since the year 2000, healthcare and college expenses have gone up more than 55% housing costs have risen more than 31%, while at the same time, wages have only gone up a meager 10% since the year 2000. Think about that, how drastically the the shift has come in our economy just over the past 15 to 20 years. So we're going to speak more in depth into this topic. And to join me again for our conversation is my co-host, Blake Bradshaw. Blake, how are you doing? Hey, doing great. Thank you. Good. Well, welcome to the program. And we also have with us again, Rochelle Carter. Rochelle, how are you today?
1: Doing well today. Thank you.
0: Great. So let's get into this discussion. How do we, have you ever experienced this in your own lives or known people who've gone through this type of tight moment where it's like they're, they have a steady income, but their bills just overwhelm them to where they feel completely out of balance and have no hope.
2: Yeah, I find myself in this place, uh, different stages in my life when things have happened and um, there's changes that need to be
1: made. Yeah, and I was going to agree with Blake at different points in life, depending on the stage of life that I found myself in. You know, I found myself in this in this predicament where you can have what seems like an excess in one season and then see that excess dry up in another season, um, much to what you just talked about, where the economy changes, things that you don't see coming down the road that will suddenly put a kink in what you thought was a good plan. Absolutely.
0: That's one of the things here in Texas, it's oil country. You know, A lot of people here in Texas, their lives kind of go through these ebbs and flows, especially if you work in the oil field or um, are invested in the oil field in any way. You have Moments where like, you just look down the road and you see a whole bunch of new RVs and a whole bunch of new uh, side-by-sides coming in. You can tell, man, the oil field must be good right now. And then just six months or a year later, all of a sudden you see a lot of for-sale signs on Facebook Marketplace and stuff like that. Where all of these RVs that people had just bought when times were good, they're now trying to sell because times got tight. And a lot of that comes through mismanagement of priorities. So what do we do when we face... A moment where we have too many bills and not enough money last time we talked we discussed this idea from the idea of an emergency what do we do in a financial crisis we have to cut things to stop the bleeding to make make sure that we can survive through a unexpected event but let's look at it today from the vantage point of just mismanaged priorities overspending or facing an overwhelming debt load what do we do in that situation
2: yeah, so where we're kinda attacking the uh, maybe the expense column, you know, there's there's two things. You know, um not enough money could be one of the reasons. Um maybe you're working part time but you're available to work full time, right? Or uh maybe your certain skill sets um could afford uh making more money. But uh when we look at the expense side, um it's it's time to put like you said in the in a previous episode, you know, that that pen to paper, yeah, and look where where is that money going? Absolutely.
1: I was going to say another thing that I think <clears throat> happens to people is they have things that are uh, we've talked about fixed and variable expenses, and so if you're not accounting for the fluctuation in your variable expenses that can be a big torpedo to where your income, for the most part, is going to be pretty stagnant. It's going to be the same, but your expenses, they fluctuate so that you're not accounting for that. Absolutely. And that kind of throws a torpedo in it. Absolutely.
0: I know for myself, one of the things that happened in my personal financial journey um, was saying this very sentence. I know there was times um, out, of high, out of college – you know, just starting my career, I had car payments, I had student loans, I had credit cards, had a new rent in the apartment I was in and all this stuff. Then when you lose a job, the income is gone, but the bills are still there. And so then you work hard, you try and find another job, like driving around, I had to use my credit card just to put gas in my car to drive and look for work. Then when I finally found a job it made less than the job that I had lost, And so now I finally do have an income source, but I'm shoveling a a big debt load with a smaller shovel. I'm like, what do I do now? You know, I'm still working my tail off, but after paying all of my bills, I had like 20 bucks left to my name, you know, for a two week Mm -hmm. period. I mean, that's half a tank of gas and dollar menus and ramen. You know, that's really all you could have, all you could afford. You know, it wasn't until I really understood someone introduced to me how to manage my money. And how to manage my finances properly, which is what we're trying to do with this podcast series, that if the light bulb came on and I started realizing that when I do my budget on paper before the month begins, it made so much more sense to me that I could actually see where I was actually spending money without thinking about it. And yes, it was a challenge. It was one of the most difficult things I ever did in my life. But looking about, looking where I was to, where I came I wouldn't go back you know it, it changed my life that much and I think one of the biggest things that uh, we have to think about during this type of situation is you know everybody who's listening to this program keep in mind that your financial situation is different than mine so I know for me one of the things that really helped was first understanding what it is that caused my financial imbalance what so Blake, Rochelle, what do you guys think are some of the common things that people may be experiencing that bring them to a place of imbalance in their lives?
2: Well, you know, right now I'm I'm dealing with an imbalance, and that is a, that's a third child. Yeah, and so uh, congratulations that, on that. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so, though it's exciting, the expenses, like you mentioned, it just uh, increase so much. Yeah. And uh, when you're buying three boxes of diapers. You know, every month that that expense increases food, uh, the the medical expenses, all of those things. And so you just kind of you can you can plan so much, um, but then it's not until you experience those expenses that you're like, OK, well, this is actually what it's going to cost. Right. Or, yeah. or, you know, we just had a, a health emergency. And so. Uh, you kind you kind of take it as life comes at you. Um, and so there's those life changes, um, natural disasters. that also created an imbalance um, with the recent storms that came through. Yeah. Um, you know and, and uh, so some other life changes, maybe it's a divorce, right Maybe it's a death. Um, and then you also have uh, just job loss, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you know that loss of income. Um, and so those, those are kind of the, the main ones that I, I can think of. And then you just kind of have that, um, that careless living, right? Yeah. And just um, um, that, that can create an imbalance because then that is a habitual behavior that is very difficult to change. And, and a lot of these, we, you know, we can tell you what to do uh, and how to do it. Um, but it's it's sometimes breaking those bad behaviors that's yeah. the most challenging part
0: Rochelle you call it a retail therapy
1: oh yeah everyday. oh yeah and then i think we've mentioned it in a couple of the episodes now but budgeting boils down to discipline. yeah, And it and it boils down to just facing facts and actually coming to terms with the fact that maybe you have been careless yeah. or maybe things, you know, the life changes have happened and it's kind of caught you off guard, but you have to sit and reassess and let's re-examine the budget. And I think we've talked about that several times that the budgeting process is just that. It's a process you will rework it several times throughout your life because um, in Texas, we talk about feast or famine. Uh, we mentioned kind of off the air that we live in oil country. And so during times of feast, when the oil fills are doing really good, well, your income could be substantially higher during those times. And so you live a little bit better. Right. You do a few little extra things But you've got to remember that just as there is a feast time, there is a famine time. And in those lean times, you have to be honest with yourself, be disciplined, look at the things that you've kind of allowed to get out of control and start to slim it back down. Absolutely. Um, Because sometimes I don't think, yes, we understand a loss of income, but sometimes I think it's not so much even a loss of income, it's just the income you have doesn't stretch as far as it used to.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And we see that specifically in our current economy. It's things, who would have thought that toilet paper and eggs and you know just basic things that we use for living, gas, things to get to and from work would fluctuate so wildly in cost that from one week to the next, you can't plan your budget based off of these things. You have to make sure that you build a an extra cushion just for some of these things that used to be predictable daily expenses
1: exactly i was going to say because if you're budgeting for your normal gas expense and then gas goes up 20% yeah like we've seen it fluctuate almost in a matter of just a month go from you know $2.93 to $3.38 that's a big swing. Absolutely. Um, I went to work one day just absolutely complaining that the price of chili dogs, something that should be a very inexpensive, quick meal that you really can't feed four people for $20 because things like canned chili and hot dogs are so expensive. So even if you're planning the most, min- you know, minimum meal, it still can be a lot and it can be a bust. To your budget
0: so how does this make us feel you know when you when you're in that position and your your income just doesn't go as far as it used to i mean there's a psychological impact here
2: absolutely i mean you can you can look at it and what used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore and so then you're starting to question well how how are others doing it you know how how are others and and in reality we may all be feeling that and asking the same questions and so it's important, like you said, to reach out. Um, but you know it's it's trying to change and it's it's addressing it not a, a as the budget not a set it and forget it kind of budget, but it's it's a working budget and finding other ways um, to. Uh, spend that money, but still meet the needs um, and having that that access to put towards your
0: goals. Absolutely. We talked about it in the budgeting episode that a budget should be more proactive instead of reactive. Right. Instead of looking back and wondering where we spent our money, we should be looking forward and planning how we spend our money. And uh, then we should be continually revising, as you said, Rochelle.
1: Yes and and Blake has mentioned it in a previous episode you've got to take the emotional factor out of it and so when things come to you all of a sudden out of nowhere unexpectedly We're human, and so our first reaction a lot of times is that of emotion, either sorrow, depression, anger, because the things that you used to be able to do you can't do. So the first thing you've got to do is face the situation. The second thing I think you need to do is take the emotional aspect away from it so that you can think rationally and logically, and then just see, okay, get creative. You know, you may have to be creative. Maybe you start um, carpooling. Or taking, um, you know, the city transportation or different things, maybe not going to out during lunch. You bring your lunch to work so that you're not spending money, extra gas going back and forth. So there are all types of, of small tweaks that you can make to make adjustments to your already set budget.
0: Absolutely. So I know we talked a little bit about the priorities Um, In our last episode, when we talked about dealing with a crisis and we talked about understanding that your priorities, list them out from highest priority to lowest priority. And then a crisis, you know, you can cut from the bottom because you know, it's not going to affect your life. It might hurt for a little period of time or it might uh, free up some money to get through an emergency. But sometimes when we're dealing with, uh, you know, careless living, you know, maybe we just... Brought on too many things. We wanted, we we love the certain shows that are only available on certain streaming services. And we think that, well, it's not, it's only $9. It's not that much. It's not going to move the needle that much. So I'll just do it. Then we get the next one. Well, it's only $12. It's not going to move the needle that much. Then we get the next one. It's only $7. It's not going to move the needle that much. We do that so many different times so we can watch our shows. And it's to, it's just a comfort item. But then when that budget gets tight. We realize, wow, we're spending forty-five dollars on streaming services. You know, maybe maybe that's just something we need to look at our budget and say, it's this isn't necessarily an issue of an emergency. This is an issue of realigning our priorities to realize that we have objectives, we have things we want to do with our future, and our future shouldn't be tied down by a streaming show. You know, we should allow ourselves the freedom to to put money to the future. If you want the streaming services, you can afford the streaming services, that's great. But if your budget is so tight, maybe the streaming services is something that we look at as a way to let go of to free up, to make sure that our future goals, going on vacation, planning for retirement, saving for an emergency, those things are prioritized first.
1: And you use two key uh, words, it's only. Yeah. And I think that gets us in trouble so much. Well, it's only you know yeah. this amount it's only this amount right. but as you just stated it's only adds up quickly yeah, it does. and so you've got to take those it's only a kind of a way when you find yourself having too many bills and not enough money another good thing that i have found in my personal life is combining debt when you can yeah so um, maybe you've got just say 3 or 4 credit cards perhaps you can pay off the smaller ones And just have one bill that you're dealing with that maybe for a while you can only make minimum payments. But if you're making a minimum payment to one credit card versus three credit cards until you can get yourself back on track, those are some little things that you can kind of help to, you know, combine your debt, reduce your debt. Look for ways where you can cut things and and slim down the amount of payments you're making.
0: So I think that's a great transition into our next uh, avenue of, you know, dealing with too many bills and not enough money is dealing with overwhelming debt loads. We're not now just talking about our electric bill, our uh, rent, we're not talking about our mortgage. We're talking about the recurring debts or the, uh, you know, fixed payments that we're spending money on that, like credit cards from different stores and stuff like that. A lot of times we get ourselves in such a rut because we feel as long as we can make the minimum payment, we're okay. I know I was that same way. I had five credit cards and as long as I was able to make the minimum payments on all of them, they all got maxed out. But, you know, so I couldn't use them anymore, but they were still sitting there and I still had to make these minimum payments and nothing I was doing was making any progress to pay them off. It was because I didn't understand the process of setting up a, a plan to, to pay them off smallest debt to largest debt, you know, to, to see those little progresses. So what do we do when we're facing overwhelming debt loads?
2: Well, I think you have to, uh, I mean, one you're looking at it because that's taking up your income, right? Yeah. Those, those past purchases, are um, taking up your future income and, and you could be living in that where um, you're starting to look and, and wonder like, hey, this balance was because of something in the past. Yeah. Um, am I still enjoying it? Like, is it still worth that cost, right. right? The way that I'm feeling, the position I'm in, like, because what I find out is is a lot of people are excited when they get into debt because of what that debt's going to buy them, yeah. right? and uh, they don't think about uh, the reasons that that imbalance when life happens Um, and they think oh yeah I'll be able to afford it it'll be fine and then life happens right natural disaster um, the job loss the careless living right and those things happen and and now it's like well well now I've have more of a buyer's remorse than I did when I, when I first signed the note or, and, and so I think understanding those feelings, um, looking back on that and, and wondering, you know, was that really worth it? And, um, asking yourself those, those real questions because maybe it, maybe it is worth it. Yeah. Um, but maybe it was a mortgage, right? And you're living in a house, right? That could be different than you racking up those credit cards for retail therapy or racking up those credit cards for just recognizing there's an imbalance, but hopefully it's a season and I'll get through it. And you just find yourself stuck in this season that just seems to be life now. And um, I think using those emotions to fuel your uh, motivation to get out of it will help. Um, because then you'll say, well, what can I throw at this? Yeah. What, how, how can I get rid of some of those subscriptions that you talked about? Um, how can I meal plan to um, uh, spend less on money? How can I uh, car, carpool um, to use that gas towards this and free up some of my income to pay for maybe a night out with my spouse or maybe a uh, night out at a restaurant instead of uh, eating those chili dogs, right? And so um, I, I feel like, you know, you can harness those emotions for positive goods but not um, not let the emotions control you. Definitely.
1: You know, retail therapy, what I had to really learn – the hard way was retail therapy can include window shopping and not actually purchasing. The thrill of actually going in the store and looking at things and trying them on, but then saying, well, let me go down to another store. 90% of the time, if I leave it and walk away, I don't want it as bad as I did when I first looked at it. Another real trap that retail therapy happens is, oh, well, you can get 15% off today if you apply for the store credit card. Mm -hmm, And that is a huge trap that a lot of people get into because they're thinking, oh, well, I just saved X amount of dollars by getting this card, you know, but you don't realize now you've added a store card on top of your credit cards that you really didn't need. Mm -hmm. And so kind of, like you said, taking those emotions, it's okay that I'm shopping out of emotion but maybe I'm window shopping now instead of actually buying right. so that later on, whatever I purchased, I don't have buyer's remorse later down the road. Absolutely.
0: I think that's one of the important things about uh, buyer's remorse as you're just saying, like when you save up and pay cash for something, you know, it just feels so much freer because now you can have the memories, you can have the fun, you can enjoy whatever it was that you did without next month, having a bill come tapping you on the shoulder and say, Hey, remember that fun you just had It's time to pay up. You yeah. know, it's, it's not fun whenever all of a sudden those bills start coming back and the memories start to fade, you know? So when we're dealing with this mountain of debt, I mean, a lot of people, I think what I was uh, going to say, Blake, when you were talking about that emotion of realizing that I need to get out of debt. We have to, a lot of times people don't realize how much pain they're in or how bad the situation is until they really start feeling the
1: pain. Mm -hmm. And for
0: our younger listeners out there, you may not feel the pain yet. You may just got your first credit card. You think it's building your credit, which it probably is. And that's, that can help you in some areas of life. But if you're not properly managing that credit, then that credit can start to control you instead of you controlling it and you start to spiral out of control until the point to where you get to the topic of today's discussion where you have too many bills and not enough income to cover it. And so I think what's important here is to realize before you get to that point, start seeing the warning signs and start trying to fix it. But there's a lot of us that have already passed that point, a lot like me a few years ago when I was neck deep in debt, had no way out, didn't even understand how to properly manage a budget. There's no light at the end of that tunnel. It's a spiraling downward pattern that you don't know what to do next so when we come back from our quick commercial break we're going to discuss what we need to do if we if we're facing too much debt how do we how do we set up a plan to pay that off how do we set up a plan to pay and save for our future so we'll be right back
1: Hello, I'm Karen Partee with the TBT Financial Minute. From job loss to medical expenses, life is full of the unexpected. Be prepared with an emergency cash fund. Save up enough money to cover three to six months of household expenses and put it in an accessible savings or money market account. Should a crisis occur, you'll be prepared. Learn more at TexasBankandTrust.com. TBT Financial Minute is brought to you by Texas Bank and Trust.
2: Looking for a digital tool to manage your budget? Texas Bank & Trust's online financial management tool, MyOFM, can let you see all of your financial accounts in one secure location, as well as set budget limits and expense trackers to help you stay focused on your goals. MyOFM can be located inside the TBT mobile banking platforms on a PC and mobile device. Learn more at TexasBankAndTrust.com.
0: And we're back. Welcome back to Between the Tees. We're continuing our discussion with Blake Bradshaw. and Rochelle Carter. Going through what it means to be facing too many bills and not enough money to handle those bills. Right before we left for commercial, we were discussing some of the ways that our bills make us feel whenever we're overwhelmed with debt to where we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. In fact, it doesn't even feel like a tunnel. It feels more like a cave and there's no way out of this hole that we've dug ourselves into. But today we're going to discuss what do we do when we're in that situation. We talked already about setting our emotions up at the door, sitting down with a piece of paper, and evaluating our situation with clear eyes. So now we've looked at our situation, we see that we just have too many bills. We have too much debt, and not just our regular electric bill and stuff like that, but like our car payments. Maybe we have a car that we couldn't afford, but we we bought it because the... um, It looked pretty or we thought we could afford it at the time and now we're stuck upside down in a payment that we can't afford or too many streaming service or credit cards that we've maxed out because we went and did some retail therapy and uh, or we went on a vacation and did it on a credit card. And now all of those bills are now coming back and haunting us and we don't know how we're going to get out of this mess that we dug ourselves into, you know, for those of us who are young coming out of college, those credit card offers are tempting. But if you don't properly manage it, it can overwhelm you so fast. So now let's discuss what do we do when we're facing that overwhelming debt load. We're going to discuss two different methods for paying off our debt. First method we're going to discuss is the snowball method. Blake, you and I have worked with a lot of people on this type of method before. Tell us a little bit about what, how that snowball method works.
2: Yeah, so the snowball method, you list your debts uh, from your lowest balance, um, to your highest balance. Um, and what you'll do is is if you found any um, discretionary spending that you were able to cut, you would put towards that low balance item until it was paid off. And then you take that discretionary spending plus the amount of the payment on that low balance and put it towards the next line item and then it starts to sm- snowball whenever you start paying off those debts because you're applying it all to the next debt, and then eventually uh, you pay off that high balance would be the last last item. Definitely. Another method that we go through is called the avalanche
0: method. Uh, Rochelle, do you know much about that one?
1: I hadn't heard of that one until we were discussing it off off the air, so that one was a new one to me.
0: Yeah, it's one that I heard. I hadn't really heard about it either until I started looking into some research. Basically, the snowball, as Blake was saying, you list your debt smallest to largest and you pay that lowest one off first. The avalanche method is a little bit different. And mathematically, they say it can help you uh, pay down your bills by paying less interest because what you do is you put your bills, list them out by highest interest rate, regardless of balance, and then you pay any extra funds you have on the debt with the highest interest rate. And so what you do is you get a piece of paper and you write down all of your bills and you list them out by what the amount is, what your monthly payment is and what your interest rate is on it. And you take them and you organize them by the highest interest rate and you pay that first one until you can get that one paid off. Then just like with a snowball, you take the amount that you were paying on that, the minimum payment plus whatever extra funds you had, and you apply that to the next highest interest rate and the next highest interest rate until you get down to your last bill and you pay them off. And mathematically, they say this pays off your debt with less money because you're, pay- you're knocking down those higher interest rate numbers first. The debt snowball method, on the other hand, it's it's a little psychological wins each time you pay something off.
2: Right, Blake? That's right. That's right. And I've used that snowball method. and. When you are overwhelmed with debt and you, you find more month than you have paycheck, um, the, those emotions are also overwhelming. And so you feel depressed. You feel like you're in, a, uh, you're in your own grave. Um, and uh, so that snowball method with that small balance being paid off, it's like a small win. And there's something psychologically that goes off and, and it's like hope starts to build. And you're like, okay, well, maybe there is a way out. You know, like we did it. You celebrate and you go on to the next one. And it's those little wins uh, that help you get past that next month when you're sacrificing, whether it's through your retail therapy or you're sacrificing, you know, the bluebell ice cream uh, or whatever you're sacrificing, you know that, hey, I was able to pay that off last month and now this month we'll be able to pay this off, you know? And so, uh, it's those little wins that help build that momentum. Definitely.
1: And I guess I could see, um, a benefit from both of them now having heard the explanation for both, I guess I could kind of see where the avalanche method would be a good one because typically whatever your highest interest payment is going to be your highest balance, And it's also going to be your highest payment. And so if we're knocking that one out first, then you've got more money, perhaps, to go towards, you know, the next one on the list. Um, But I also believe the snowball method, because I believe in those little victories. Yeah. I heard a saying once that how do you eat an elephant? One One bite at a time. time. Yeah, And so I think when you're doing the snowball method, you get to see little by little that that you actually can see it, I think, sooner that, oh, okay, you know, two months ago, I had four credit cards. Now I've got three and something, you know, to that. And I think it kind of helps you to keep going. You know, you start saying, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And you start knocking them out. Oh, I know I can. I know I can. And so I think both methods are probably good. And again, it would be determined by what your personal financial situation is yeah if you're making minimum wage you don't have uh, a very large uh, income and very little discretionary money i would think the snowball method with those small wins would probably be an easier approach right but if you've got a little more income coming in and maybe your discretionary fund can handle it a little bit better then I could see the benefit of the avalanche method. But like you said, a, a trained financial advisor who could really sit down and look at what your finances look like would be the best one to tell you which method to apply.
0: Definitely. So that is a very key thing here is sitting down with a with an objective set of eyes. You know, sometimes I look at my money and I'm like, I just don't see it. I don't know how to get past my own understanding But then I show show it to someone else and we sit down and we work through the numbers together. And all of a sudden, things start to come a little more clear just just from opening up and sharing with someone, just seeing that you're not alone. That's one thing that's so vital here is remember that we're not alone in this. We've all experienced this. We've either experienced it now or we're going to experience it at some point. We have to be well-versed in how to handle this. And so um, knowing that you're not alone is vital here. Um, but regarding the two methods for me personally, the snowball rocked my world. You know, when I first learned how to pay off my debt, I went from car payments, student, like 30 something thousand dollars in student loans with very little income, had no idea what I was going to do to pay this stuff off. But as you said, Rochelle, one bite at a time, I looked at all of my bills and I put the any extra money I had, I'd put towards that smallest payment, which was like a $600 credit card, and I just knocked it off 50 bucks here, 20 bucks there, 30 bucks here. Anytime I had a little extra cash, I'd knock it off until all of a sudden that bill was gone. That freed up what a $50 minimum monthly payment plus the $30, $30 $40 I was throwing out. Now I have $80 that I'm going to add to the next bill. That that win felt great in and of itself, but now I have eighty dollars freed up. And that's going to this next bill as one hundred and twenty dollars. I was already paying one hundred and twenty on it. Now I'm paying two hundred. It's going to knock that one down so much faster. When that's gone, now I have two hundred dollars freed up. So that snowball really starts mounting up so fast until by the time I was paying my last bill, which was our, which was my student loans, I had a, almost a thousand dollars a month. That was. I had literally been nickel and diming 30 bucks here, 100 bucks there, 50 bucks there on minimum payments, that once I was on that last bill, uh, almost $1,000 extra per month. It's it's mind boggling to sit and think about it now. But once that last student loan payment was paid and I clicked that last pay button, guess what happened the next month? (laughs) I had $1,500 sitting in my bank account. With nobody's name on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Guys, if you're listening to this program (laughs) right now, that is the feeling that we're trying to get you to see. That light at the end of the tunnel, you might not see it right now. You might not feel it right now. But if you don't give up, the key to either of these, if you do the avalanche where you pay your highest interest rate first, or the snowball where you pay your lowest balance first, the key is discipline and the key is to not give up and to look at that end result. What is it that you're trying to accomplish? And then what is it going to feel like when you get there? I tell you, it was the most freeing feeling I'd had in a long time.
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, one thing that I've heard a lot of people say when they have um, an overwhelming amount of debt is they feel like they're working for their creditors. And they're not, you know, I'm going to work every day, but I get no benefit from it. Yeah. Because they fail to realize, well, yeah, you actually got the benefit. You just actually already spent the benefit ahead of time. Yeah. You know, so now when those bills are coming in month after month, they feel like they're working basically for free. And so when you get those little wins and all of a sudden, like you said, you look and you have $1,500, now suddenly you think, oh, my goodness. Look, this actually belongs to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very important that you look at that and and to have the discipline. And then one of the other things you said about bringing in a, an objective third party, because we've said it so many times, finances, emotions are attached to it. Um, finances are a big stressor on relationships, on on households. Period on how we conduct our everyday life, our finances and our freedom to do or to go, you know, our emotions are tied up in it. And so sometimes we can't see clearly because we're so emotionally invested in it and having that objective third party show us where we can make some cuts, things that we don't think that we can part with, that that objective person can say, do you really need it? And it causes you to rethink your priorities to where you realize, okay, maybe I really don't need that. I just thought I, you know, it's a want. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a need. But having them actually kind of say it back to you helps you realize, okay, no, that really was a want. It's not a need. And you just start making those slow, you know, those slow progresses. And before you know it, you'll have more in less time than what you think it will take you.
2: Right. Right. So, you know, you kind of talked about that um, you try to find that extra spending um, like we talked about in that financial triage episode. Um, But what if you find that everything you're spending your money on, you cut it back as as much as you could and everything you're spending on is a need. Where do you find that extra to pay towards debt?
1: Well, and sometimes, like you said, everything on the list, actually, you don't you don't have any frills. You really don't. And so sometimes, unfortunately, maybe it does mean that something has to go back. Mm. Maybe unfortunately, the credit card has to be charged off um, because you have to just deal with just those four walls that you talked about, those absolute things that you have to have, shelter, food, um, sometimes some form of transportation and so as painful as it is sometimes the reality of when you've overextended yourself or your job has been cut, your income's been cut, sometimes you have to let things go and it's okay. Absolutely, It doesn't make you a failure. It just means you have to begin again.
2: Yeah.
0: I think as we discussed in the financial triage, this is one of those places where we literally have to examine every penny. Um, sometimes looking at our budget and seeing are am I buying something that's a name brand that I could possibly get a store brand of that might save me a few bucks here and there because that's literally what I did when I was trying to figure out how to pay off my debt I went and I examined every little thing did I need a satellite subscription did I need a $120 a month phone plan when I found one for $30 a month you know I looked at every penny that I spent and it was with those thoughts in mind of what do i do if if i needed $1000 now what do i what am i going to do like you know that's one of those mentalities when you're trying to get out of debt you should be fighting as if your life depends on it cuz it very well might be you know like your not your physical life in not many circumstances but your financial life your future you know you're you're mortgaging away your future to live in the moment and so let's look at what we can do to regain our financial regain control of our financial lives
2: yeah well you know that your life could depend on it you know if you put so much financial burden on your life that um it it could cause health issues you know and, and could could cost your life um but uh so when when does somebody know that they need to reach out for help like at what point do they would you say hey this is the time you need to reach out for help. And what keeps somebody from asking from, for help?
1: I think uh, for me, one of the things that should be a key indicator is if you find yourself having um, a lot of late charges, uh, you, you simply can't pay your bills on time. And so whether they realize it or not, paying it late, now you're adding extra debt to an already overwhelming debt because mm-hmm. now you're paying you know, late charges you're paying. uh, Sometimes they increase your finance charges because uh, you pay late. And so you end up with those type of things. And then I think also um, from an emotional standpoint, you've got to, you've got to cut it so that you can realize I've got to take this stressor out um, because it affects, like you said, your health. It affects your relationship oftentimes it is one of the biggest stressors on a marriage Mm. because now all we're communicating about or really fighting and arguing about is money and a lack of money. And so you've got to look at all of those key indicators and realize those pain points that we talked about.
0: There's definitely some, there may come a time whenever your finances literally are stretched so thin and it might come to an income issue. Maybe the job that you're in isn't providing enough income for your family, so you're doing some sort of sl- of side hustle or some sort of um, vocational training to where you can go get a better job. Um, sometimes that is this that is the solution. It might just be that you are in a um, income shortage. That you know we need to we need to evaluate that as well. When when debt or bills aren't the equation anymore than maybe maybe income is the is the issue. But I think one of the most important things to to do, as we've talked numerous times, is to sit down with someone objectively, um, whether it's a close friend that you trust, someone um, at your church, or someone that you know that may have a similar passion for wanting to get out of debt or you've seen them succeed at it. It's great to talk to someone who's been there, who's done that, and has has succeeded and ask them what they did and then maybe get them to look at your numbers and that get them to give you some practical advice that maybe you didn't see yourself
2: yeah well you know asking for help is a very humbling uh, thing to do Um, and so you know it you're you are facing your insecurities you know you're bringing that all out to light and to bear that before someone is, 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 it has to be difficult, you know, and, but you also have to weigh, am I willing to be uncomfortable for a moment in order to be comfortable later on? Yeah. You know, and so uh, I think you have to weigh those things because we aren't self-sufficient. Yeah. You know, we, we can't make that money on our own. Um, And, you know, they're, they're, because you are in that situation, there's probably some behavioral issues that you have to address. You know, I'm I'm reading a parenting book, and it talked about how we we can put that behavior in our own children, such as when a kid gets hurt. Uh, what is the number one item that we try to give them to get over their hurt? Say say it say that it, it's a scratch or or. Or something you know for me right now with it being so hot outside it's a popsicle right Mm -hmm. put a popsicle on it right and then you get to enjoy the popsicle after well what we're feeding the the behavior there is that whenever you're hurt you eat Mm yeah right Mm -hmm. and so now when you get older when you're when you're hurt or during the day um i now go to a half gallon of bluebell ice cream right Right. you know and so i you know, it carries over into our adult life. And so there could be so many things that have happened as a child that have become behaviors as an adult that we just don't recognize or realize until you sit down and you just talk it out with with
1: a financial professional. Definitely. And I think the other part, too, is finances is so very personal. Mm-hmm. It's almost like when you go to the doctor every year for an annual well checkup. That is a very uncomfortable situation for most of us. But we realize that our health depends on it. And so we make those annual visits as much as we despise doing them. We realize how important they are. Insurance companies realize how important they are. And that's why they most of the time preventative care is covered at 100% by insurance companies. Because they realize if you go ahead and stay on top of it, maybe it will prevent you know, something greater down the road. And I think if we can help our listeners to understand, our finances need to be examined the same way. If we annually take a well check of our finances, look at maybe what's out of sync. Maybe we've got some, you know, some inconsistencies or we've got some imbalances, but if we would re-examine it at least annually, if not more often, it will help prepare us for the long run. Um, one of the things that I like to always talk about, one of the scriptures that sticks in my mind is that we are to leave an inheritance for our children's children. Yeah. You can only leave an inheritance for your children's children if you are handling your finances now. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I think one of the, um, things when we are dealing with our finances as well as there may come a point whenever it feels like the. We've tried everything. We don't know what to do. You know, there is also the option. A lot of people don't like to discuss it, but it's bankruptcy. And that's one of those things that a lot of people think that it's an easy way out, but it's not, you know, it's not a quick fix. It's not an easy way out. It's a, It can damage your your uh, credit and damage your life for quite a while. But some people that may be where you end up being. But this is where we say sitting down and talking with someone about your finances, sitting down talking to a to a banker, to an a tax attorney. If you're at that level where you're thinking um, that you might need to file bankruptcy, sitting down and talking with someone who knows the law, knows the, the ins and outs of your situation, they can give you some practical advice. Um, that's something we can't do on a podcast, but it's one of those things that we highly encourage you to do. Just to you know, if you feel like you've evaluated every option, you know, before you. Uh, throw in the towel for bankruptcy, sit down and talk to someone because there may be a a perspective that you hadn't thought of that someone can show you and show you a way out that you hadn't considered. That's right.
1: That's right.
0: Any uh, last thoughts you guys have for our audience?
1: I think for me, the biggest thing would be, and we've said it repeatedly, um, know that you're not alone. Um, All of us have been there at one point or another Um, You can be sitting high today and low tomorrow because life happens. And so, and I think the other thing is take the emotions out of it as best you can, face it and be disciplined.
2: Yeah. Love it.
0: And that is all the time that we have for this edition of Between the Tees. I'd like to thank my co-host Blake Bradshaw and our guest Rochelle Carter for joining me for this insightful conversation about dealing with difficult financial times. I hope this information has been useful to you as you take on your personal financial journey. Please consider liking and sharing our content with others who may benefit from the show. As we enter the new year, we will begin with a discussion about the myth of social status and the dangers of buying things just to keep up with the Joneses, or as we in Texas like to call it, having a big hat and no cattle. This has been a production of TBT Studios and Texas Bank and Trust, member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. If you live in one of Texas Bank and Trust's markets, we'd love to be your bank. But if not, we hope that this information is helpful to you no matter where you live. And remember that knowledge is always power when it is shared between the T's. Thank you for joining us.